Omi Season 2 opens with artist and archivist Joyce Leanne. Joyce is the founding owner of Archival Alchemy and the Archivist After Hours. In the artist's own words, both brands were born out of the space that Joyce needed to reunite all parts of herself into something magical so that she could transmute and transform energy from grieving to healing. We connected through her work with the SALA, the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, also known as the Founders of Black History Month. Please share this conversation and collaboration to continue to amplify the legacy of our ancestor, Dr. Carter G. Woodson. Welcome Black to the Mat. Yes, yes. So we're going to jump in. Circling back, can you walk me through your journey to your purpose work and how you started Archival Alchemy? So my journey to the work that I'm doing began before I feel like I was chosen to do, like this work chose me. Mm -hmm. And I've been an artist and an archivist since I was a little girl. Both of those parts of my identity are indivisible. I I think they inform each other. I like to say at this point in my career, having a journey really, because it's, it's again, doing this since I've been a little girl, there's just been the parts of it that's been my journey. And then there's been the parts of it that I have professionalized and made my career. But I like to say that I am creating an archive through my artistic projects. I'm creating an archive of everything that I have conquered and am overcoming. And that is what guides my work um, is really to get to the other side of a challenge of a loss of, you know, a tragedy of a trauma. I create something to get to the other side and I preserve that journey because I have come to find that my process and my journey can help others when they are finding themselves, you know, in similar places. So because that's kind of how my work, how I've always seen it, what I've done professionally hasn't always been in alignment with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for most of my first decade, I graduated library school in 2012. So for the first decade, I'm entering, you know, exiting out of the first decade of my career. And I feel like a lot of my jobs that have been um, more traditional archivist roles didn't feel like the holistic fullness of who I am and why I come to this work. It felt like a compartmentalized aspect of it, which is a part of it, which is something that I enjoy, but it was always missing these other elements. Mm -hmm. And so I find my way in 2017, where there's a point where I was like, I maybe am not supposed to be a professional archivist. Maybe this isn't actually my ministry as far as what I'm going to be doing in the world. Maybe this is just who I am because the ways that I was feeling very unfulfilled with my traditional archivist work, but then me taking a step back and realizing that it was more so the way that I was doing it in those realms that wasn't the the purpose, wasn't the ministry, and less so that this isn't what I should be doing. That is the way I've been doing it wasn't 
the best service to me and my purpose and the gifts that I have to offer. And so that's where Archival Alchemy was born out of that space to reunite all the parts of myself into something magical into something that is can transmute and transform energy and so archival alchemy became a place where I can show up to my work as both artist and archivist where the healing and transformation objectives of this work aren't divorced from it Um, and yeah where I get to just I like to say I emancipated my labor so I get to do the work on my own terms, which is also I'm finding very important in the purpose-filled driven life. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Come on, what is that? Uh, Come on, Kwanzaa, can I get my principles correct? Kuji Jaka Kalia, is that self-determination defining ourselves for ourselves? If I got the Swahili incorrect, y'all don't judge me, okay? But don't look over here. Don't, I cannot, I'm not passing no Kwanzaa quizzes today, okay? (laughs) But yes. But what I love so much in that is that it started as a really personal journey for you to document your own personal experience. And that's something that's really been resonating with me more the way, the more that I share my my art on YouTube and social media, something that has been sitting with me is in those tragic incidents when... um, We've seen in recent history where Black lives are taken by law enforcement and um, often the media goes for the worst picture that they could find of that person or in their lowest moments. And that's kind of the image that they blast all over the news. And those images have really resonated with me. Like if we don't tell our own narratives, other people will and they'll define who they think we are. And so in my art and my work, I've been really conscious of, I want to make sure that I'm sharing my full experience and who I am so that at, at my, at the time of my demise, people will know who Jewel was, what she represented, the things that she cared about. And it, you know, other people can't take my story and retell it. So I love that your work started as really personal work as well. That's, that's dope. Yes. Yes. I think it is um, very important. We all should take agency over our own narrative. And I really believe that I, I have to be able to tell my story on my own, on my own terms, you know, for all the reasons that you've stated, but then just the ways in which I've seen, especially in traditional realms of this work, their objectivity is not a real thing. I don't, I think we, everybody brings their perspective to stuff and the people who may be processing a collection or telling your story are, are seeing it through the lens that they view the world. And so, yeah, I really do love to have my story be told on my own terms, you know, and it is, I mean, I think even then it may only be one aspect of the truth, right? Because we curate ourselves unknowingly, subconsciously, you know, we, our memory is faulty, Mm -hmm. but it does help to make for a fuller record to include your own voice and the preservation of yourself. Yes. Yes. Well said. 
switching gears a little bit more from the personal to professional, I know that you've done some amazing work. And I just want to hold space for some of the organizations that you partner with from Weeksville Heritage Center, the New York Public Library, Whitney Museum of Art, the Schomburg Center, and Makata, which all amazing organizations. And then your latest collaborator, Asala, and that's how you and I connected. I would love to know more about how did you connect with your latest um, partnership, Asala, and then how did you come to co-produce the Black Family Project? Yes, so I have been very fortunate in my career to work with many esteemed, amazing institutions, organizations, and I feel like my work is has been rooted in Weeksville Heritage Center. Like that is my home institution. If ever I had one, it has been a foundation throughout my career. It it is my foundation and it has continued to root my career throughout. It was my, I would have my first internship when I was at Weeksville while I was in library school. Weeksville Heritage Center was my first job when I graduated, and they were also my first client for our, when I started Archival Alchemy in 2017. It is through Weeksville that I get this connection to ASALA, the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, also known as the founders of Black History Months. Shout out to the legacy of Carnegie yes, Woodson. Yes. But that... I was doing public programming for Weeksville's Legacy Project, and one of the people from Asala, Aisha Heichel, who is the vice president of programs for Asala, saw one of the programs that I did and knew that there was a need uh, to complete this grant-funded project through New York Life. Shout-outs to them for the, the generous funding to make that project possible. It was this project that was had to be reimagined in many different ways because of the pandemic shifting timeline, shifting our abilities to connect in person. So what was started off maybe as a vision to go around the nation doing oral storytelling, genealogy, and familiar archiving workshops around this the, the Black family, that wasn't possible, right, through... Um, the pandemic, because I think I started working on this project like early 2021. And so they try to do some things, you know, it just, we had to recalibrate. And through all those recalibrations, Aisha became aware of the work that I was doing and and knew that I had already had experience producing public programs. And so looped me in to like really help drive the project home. And my team, who I am just so grateful to all of the people on my team who helped on the archival alchemy side, bring this to fruition. Um, Yeah, then we just stepped in and and got it done. So I love it. I love it. And for those that are listening to this, please go and check out Joyce and I participated in Instagram live sharing more about my journey through the Black Family Project. So please go listen to that and head on over to Asala's website that you can take these workshops and utilize this toolkit yourself. I'm so excited to jump in on this journey and continue my own family research. And so I thank you all again for all of the hard work that 
so many people had their hands in making this project come to life and creating this as a free resource for people that want to do genealogy archival work and do their own family histories. So thank you again. Yes, it is. Uh, it's our pleasure to do this, to make this work accessible. And it means so much to me to know that folks like yourself really want to engage it. And so, yes, I appreciate you coming on the live so we could talk to folks about how to navigate their own self-guided journey. And there I give love upon my team some more. We love upon Asala and love upon each other. So definitely check that out. Yes. And, you know, I shared on our live that it's it was really important for me to start researching my family, really picking up where my elder aunties and cousins left off and kind of took the lead to bridge the gap between younger generations and myself to create oral history and video documentary projects to share our family history with younger generations. And for me, this work has really been about generational healing about learning patterns that we've held on to and carried for generations that maybe we might need to break those cycles. But then also, what are some of the the dope, amazing things that our ancestors have done that maybe young ones might not know about? And we want to make sure that we keep these stories going in my family. So I want to ask you, why do you think that it's important for people to do archival work, to research their own families? Literally, the what you just said would be very similar to what I would say. I would echo so much of what you've shared. I know that a lot of like, and say, for instance, in my family, my great grandmother, who I'm named after, transitioned while my mom was pregnant with me. So I didn't get to know her. There's other members of my family, like the first few years of my life. There was a lot of unfortunate death in my family. And so there's so much um, that was lost even before I had an awareness of what it was. And what is so important about that family history is the, the ability to regain that, aware. you know, like I get to learn who my uncles were, who my great grandmother were through the, the stories that we passed down from generation to generation. It, those stories literally can fill up a whole presence. You can, I feel like I can know who someone is in my family so well just by the stories other members of the family tell about them. So it's important, I think, to be able to know more about who I am. And the more I know about their lives, the more that I have insight into why I'm the way I am, even things that I'm in therapy now trying to ask me, what's the root of this? And sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I can reach for some like faint memory to give you a, a reference point, but I know in my, in my gut that that's not really what it is. And for even in, for myself in my journey, We've learned, my therapist and I, um, that all that I'm carrying is not my own stuff, you know? Right. Right. Um, and so knowing who they are also helps me to know what stuff belongs to them yeah. and that I can get back and say, yeah. with love, this is y'all's <laughs> grief. I did this very powerful family constellation thing recently with a practitioner here in New York. 
in that meditation, the visualization that the person was guiding me through, it was my great grandmother and my mom and my mother that and my grandmother there and then reminded me that I couldn't hold on to the grief that many of them were experiencing because I was too little, but that I've always been an empath, right? And so there's ways in which I did take on some of that. And so now that I'm getting to the root of some of my own issues and as I'm on my healing journey, it's like, oh, I was too little. Mm -hmm. So they said, it's you're too little. And they weren't even saying past tense. They said, you're too little this isn't for you, you know? And so knowing what is and isn't for you is one of the biggest things that I've been, but also to know that we can uplift and amplify and celebrate our families, not by their absences or just their shortcomings, you know, but just that we can there's just a way also to celebrate the ordinary folks in our life because they they are just as extraordinary as people who go on to do grandiose things. And so just celebrating who we are, you know, the fullness of us, everything, you know, there's people in my family, they were not perfect. Right. They had their issues, but, you know, like my uncle who passed away in 2012, but wow, what a person, you know? And so I think just to celebrate the people that in family also can be chosen mm-hmm. and does not necessarily need to be your birth family, but just those people that we hold dear and celebrating them, telling, keeping their presence, literally active, activating their presence through storytelling, through preservation of who they are, and also to be clear about who we are as we're trying to evolve and move forward in our own lives. Yes, yes. I love all of that, all received. I do feel like my work is a celebration of my ancestors. So we've had um, similar, so we've had a lot of loss in my family that caused quite a bit of trauma and um some in my family have not always had the best tools uh, to grieve. And so in a way, in a sense, in like their 80s and 90s, they really buried a lot of these memories. And I've been able to resurface um, some of them in my research and really celebrate the people in our past that contributed to us being here today. So I really love that concept of celebrating the people that contributed to us being here on this earth. And then in, in a little... It, I love that what's coming up a lot for me in in digging into census records and and old documents is the way that we celebrate by passing on names. So I love that you were named after your great grandmother. I was actually named after my great grandfather, Jewel, my mom's grandpa. Oh, yeah. And so it is. I love that. And there's been so many um, people in the in the generations. It's been a quite it's a bit of a cluster (laughs) 
<laughs> try to figure out, well, is this the namesake or was this the original? But I've noticed that in our families that we often do pass on names as a way to honor and celebrate those that came before us. So I love that that's part of your journey. Yes. Kind of like obsessed with names and why people either choose names for themselves or why their parents chose that name for them. So I love that. that you yes. Were- and that is that is definitely an element of Black families. Okay. <laughs> we be passing. I think a lot of families in general, but I know, you know, and then what I love is you pass on the names, but then you call the folks by their middle name. Did that, was that your case too? <laughs> no, no, they, they, <laughs> they called you Jewel. Oh, so yeah. no one, so my, my great grandmother's name was Joyce Lee and I was named after her and my name is Joyce Leanne. And yeah, my family calls me Leanne. That's what I, I grew up knowing. And I love, again, the more that you, when you grow older, you learn more about who those people I now have a, a sense of pride being named after such a, a powerful person in our family. But I remember when I was younger, I said, why y'all give me this old woman's name? Why am I named Joyce? It just sounded so old to me, like, you know, so it's like Jasmine and Jovan and like, these are my siblings' names and it's Joyce. So like, but I don't think I requested being called Leanne, but I think that that just is what my family called me. But because there is a thing when we don't, I think one thing that I, I hope people come to learn, and this is why, what I mean by like transformation and transmutation and the alchemy side of this archival work that I do is how can we preserve and celebrate folks and not be triggered by the memory of them, by the, uh, the uttering of their names, that they're, who those people are don't have to be tied to something horrible that has happened. You know, two of my, my um, one of my uncles and my great uncle were both murdered, you know, and so the ways in which maybe when we do bring up who who they are and wanting to know more about them, that it it takes people to uh, an unhealed wound. And so how do we do this work where we're actively healing ourselves? Mm. Um, I know this is something I explored in one of my first um, artistic projects called Sometimes Grief Goes for a Walk. And my whole objective of that was like, how do I hold on to the dearly departed without the lingering grief. Mm. Like how do we separate the grief from the legacies and from the celebration of the lives that were lost? Cause they, there needs to be some separation, you know? So I wonder, I just thought to myself now, I wonder if in my name not being like, was it hard for people to say Joyce, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a new question. I know my mom be, I mean, no, I got my mom's, I'm like, mom, so did y'all not call me Joyce? <laughs> because uh, I, I asked a lot of questions in my family. So that's a new one for my mom. Yes, I love it. I love it. So you touched on a couple things in the healing space. And um, I want to share too that I've, my journey through therapy has also been so transformational and very needed in my life to kind of process the trauma that I lived through, but then also the trauma that I know that I'm carrying um, in my DNA from the women that came before me and the men that came before me as well. 
And so I appreciate you so candidly sharing that you too have um, gone on your own therapeutic journey to kind of process some of the stuff that has come up for you. I would love to know what else is in your personal wellness toolkit. Like what, how, how do you take care of yourself while you're doing this work? Yeah. And so one thing I would say is that this is not, it's not a past tense thing. I'm still in therapy. We'll probably continue to be in therapy because I'm, I'm learning that healing is a practice. Yeah, It's not something that you'll be like, I'm healed. I'm good. There is no finish off that. Yeah. And then something could make you feel like you right back where you began. Time does not work in that way for the healing process. It's not something you get to. And then at least for myself, I I don't get to some resolve. There's some grief that I really feel like I've overcome, but there's times where it can resurface. And so I think it's important to know that we will, healing is a practice that you have to continue to nurture um, throughout your life. And so I, um, with that, have really been into the idea of my therapist not being there for me when things hit the fan, but just being here for maintenance. Uh, I really came to my um, dance movement therapist out of a dire need in 2016, and I still go to her. But then as we started to address some things that maybe are on the surface, there's there's more layers and you start pulling back other stuff and you'd be like, okay, so you helped me get through this more immediate thing. But now that we got through that, can we talk about like my sexual identity or can we talk about why, like, where am I at in my life? How do I feel about you? Like, there's just so many things that you could talk about yeah. in yourself and, and your relationship to yourself mm-hmm. that I, um, really appreciate having her there. But I think also when we peeled back those layers, I started to find so many patterns Mm -hmm. um, of like the cycles that I was going through in my own journey. It's like, okay, I'm good. And then this happens. And it just felt like this is repetitive in a way that I need to figure out how to like break out of it. And so because dance movement therapy spoke to me as a form for therapy, I felt in like 2020 that I needed to, I wanted some insight from a more Western eyes thinking as well too. So then my therapist linked me with a black woman psychologist who helped give me language for some of the things that I walk with. Then that led to me opening myself up to maybe some medication. And so now I have a nurse practitioner then I have, uh, like I said, I just did this family constellation session. So I feel the, that my wellness journey is a team effort. Yes. And I am calling people in to join the team as needed. And then I scale back as needed. I definitely feel like my dance movement therapist is my anchor in my, in, in my team. And then we bring in these additional reinforcements to help address a certain aspect. I may not have to be on medication for forever, or I may not see my psychologist once we understand some of, to get some of this um, cognitive behavioral therapy under control. Those things may 
dissipate, but I always will have some form of therapy. So that's in my toolkit. And then I feel as though now I'm rediscovering my tools. I think as many other people, I have fallen off a lot of ways of caring for myself in this here pandemic. I have gained weight. I haven't been moving. I haven't been eating right. And so I'm learning to really, my sleep has been trash, just really thinking about redefining what wellness is for me, because I don't know if I'm actually about to go all the way back to what, who I was and what I was doing. The world around me is completely changed and is continuously changing. So me trying to find those things, like retaining the, like re I'm just kind of remixing it now. And right now what I've been doing is just trying to be and allow my body to kind of tell me what it's needing in that moment. Mm. My body said, girl, I'm tired of eating out. <laughs> it said, if you order one more of this chicken waffle sandwich with these trouble fries from the Harlem Burger Company, girl, I know it's good, but I don't want that no more. <laughs> I need some fruit and some vegetables. Yeah. Said, okay, girl, I feel you. So there's ways that I'm listening to my body and it, if in that, in the listening, deep listen, internal listening to my body, I trust it's guiding me towards the ways in which I'm supposed to be well. And that it may be, I need to maybe give into this ebb and flow and embrace that. It's not always going to be this. I'm always going to eat this way. I'm always going to do that. Maybe things are going to fluctuate. Maybe yeah. there's going to be seasons where I'm eating too many chicken waffle sandwiches that sandwich is bomb y'all I can't tell you how many this past two weeks and I better stop talking about it because it makes me want to eat one now but I got some groceries yesterday so this week I'm trying to do better but also being forgiving with myself yes you know so yes thank you so much I receive all of that and again I just appreciate you being so vulnerable with your journey I am I heavily rely on my toolbox because to your point, life is always changing and there are different tools that I need at certain times. So one thing that has been consistent for the past two years is I go to talk therapy every single Friday with the Black woman therapist who she is so dope. She understands me on so many different levels. Um, She too has an autoimmune illness. And so we've been able to really connect that way because that's a whole Mm -hmm. nother level of mm-hmm. on top of you know just life experiences that we go through every day dealing with people in the way that we show up and so that is one thing that's been consistent for the past two years but really when I look back on it one thing that has been in my life since the 90s has been journaling and just being able to mm-hmm. emotions on a page and then um I don't think that we truly think enough about the way that trauma and things settle into our body. So I love that dance movement therapy was one of your first healing tools and practices that you mentioned. Um, for me, that has manifested through the lens of yoga, but we we can't discount those ancestral healing tools that from the continent, they knew that this works. You have to move that stuff out of you. You have to drum it out of you. You have to hum it out of you. And even in the rocking, 
um, like all of those are healing tools mm-hmm. that are innate to us. And then listening intuitively to our body, because we already know we are truly divine creatures of God. And so we know what we need to heal ourselves. If we can tune out all of the distractions and really tap in, our bodies are going to tell us what we need to heal in that moment. So I love like, oh, so much that you shared. I'm excited for people to hear this. So much what you shared. And I I appreciate when we, when we engage with other folks and connecting and exchanging, because you then remind me of things. These are some of my more recent tools, but yes, journaling was definitely an accessible early tool for me early on. Sister Circle yes. uh, is a was is definitely been one of my tools. And then I will also say um, music mm-hmm. and just that sound I just, vibration healer having a whole dance party by myself and dance movement therapy is different than you getting your boogie on right like that may mean like you said humming and rocking and just being letting your moving from awareness of your body first but sometimes I just I am like every other you know what what if I'm 35 like what does that put me what generation does that put me in you girl you a millennial with me Okay, I don't like being in the middle. <laughs> I just feels like I don't know them. Anyways, every other I feel like black woman in femme in this age range, we twerk in the mirror. You don't, yep, don't, yep. don't, don't deny the powerful medicinal qualities of a good mirror twerk session. Okay, right. it can just shift, and that's what you're saying though. That's that moving energy through you. I can just. I'll be in here twerking it out, crying, um, sleeping when I can, and just, yeah, just knowing. And then I think a tool that really supported me is through, like, some grief in, like, 2007 through, like, 2011 was really meditation, too. That's one tool that I'm really trying to get back anti-cheat, you know? So there's, I think things have come in my lives in different seasons and I, I will, I look forward to some of them, you know, um, cycling back into my life, but knowing that you will, you'll reach, if you listen to your body, I think that was something that we both are saying that if there's anything I'm taking away from sharing of our tools is the more that I listen to my body, I feel like my body is most in alignment with my higher self. Mm-hmm. And when I listen to my body, I feel like I, I will access the tools that are needed in that moment. Yes. Yes. Snap, 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 snap. Look, my fingers ain't gonna snap right now, but we snapping. <laughs> I'm a, Manny, can you uh, edit in some snaps for me, please? <laughs> um, yes. So, so on that note, that is the perfect note to lead us into Inside the Omi Studio, our rapid fire questionnaire that we ask all of our guests. So, okay, your comfortable seat. We're going to start this off with a collective breath. So just emptying all of the air that's in your lungs. And together we inhale. And exhale to release. Beautiful. Describe your personal style in one word. Glamour. 
What's one thing you wish you can change about the world? Mistreatment of Black women and femmes. What brings you joy? Music. What makes you cry? Folks' openness to be vulnerable and honest. What type of impact do you want to have on this earth? I want to help transform energy, space, time. What's your favorite thing about being Black? Our sense of humor, our internal collective sense of humor. Like, why are we out here calling this variant Amarion? Like, I can't stand <laughs> us. <laughs> but only other Black people would just get it and know. Right. I mean, and it's just like, why are we this way? We are some fools. I love our sense of humor. Yes, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> what do you hope for your community? That we can preserve the communities that we, you know, even if our communities constantly have to shift and relocate, that we preserve the, the power of what it means to come together. And to, and to continue to coexist with each other in support and accountability and resource sharing. Mm-hmm. And what do you love most about yourself? Uh, my voice. What's your favorite book? Mm-hmm. Linden Hills by Gloria Naylor. And last question, name five music artists that would appear on the soundtrack of your life. Oh, <laughs> it's all black women, everything over here. Cause you know, that's who I write the hardest for out in the streets. With that, I definitely have to have some Erica Badu up in there. We definitely need some Alice Smith. We definitely need some Betty Davis. We also gonna need some mini Ripperton. And then we gonna have to, you know, bow it off with some Eartha Kit. Come on with it. Listen, you done took the Omi season two playlist to a whole nother level. It ain't never been before. I'm excited. Listen, and if you need me to put a couple, if you want five songs that you can put for a little, I'll be, I might be willing to oblige, you know? I might already have them in my Archivist After Hours um, little playlist anyways, right? Because <laughs> these are literally, yeah, those are my, those are the women that would best represent me. Oh yes. I'm going to tap you for some songs when it's time for me to put together the playlist at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay. I love it. So, <laughs> That is the end of our interview for today. I want to thank you so much for spending time with me, for sharing, for being so vulnerable. I truly appreciate you. I'm so excited that we connected. You were just so dope. 
Thank you, Jewel. Thank you. Just love up on me, Jewel. Love up on me, girl. Yes. I I receive all your love. And I echo so much of what you shared. Um, I, I, I reflect that back to you. I truly am so grateful for Asala and this work that we um, find ourselves doing in community, bringing us together into each other's orbit. And I look forward to continuing to get to know you, supporting and amplifying your work. And yeah, just being in, in this, you know, this Black woman sisterhood. Yes. Before you go, please let our listeners know where can they find you on the socials, on the internet, all, all the things. Where can they find you? I have, I'm getting this part of my life together. I literally scratch my head. I'm like, girl, I feel like the best place to find me right now is on Instagram. That's where I'm getting the most of myself together. You can find me during the day on Archival Alchemy's IG page. And I would have to, if they just type in Archival Alchemy, wouldn't it come up? Don't worry, like, I'm going to link it for them. Yep, they're going to Okay, link it. it for them because yep. it's, I had to play with the letters a little bit, you know? And so just look for the link that Jules shares for the Archival Alchemy during the day, you know, where we do the stuff with the clients and we we keeping it all PG and, and nice. But if you want to see a girl in the after hours, you could go on over to the arc, my archivist after hours, um, literally archivist after hours IG page and you can, See what it's like at nighttime, you know, because this show girl is of the night too. Yes, yes. And I will also provide a link to your website so they can find out about Yes, definitely the Archival Alchemy website. Ooh, I'm trying to get better at this, y'all. The Archival Alchemy website, please join that mailing list because we've also be giving the mailing list folks all the tea, all the little insights, little tidbits here, tips there words of wisdom and affirmation inspiration over there so please definitely sign up for the archival alchemy's newsletter which you can find through the website awesome thank you again love